episode 174 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 25th of April 2022. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelim. Marine Le Pen, Nulpa. <laughs> <laughs> Graham. Bonsoir. And Will. Hello. Ah, bonsoir. Well done, French people. Merci d'avoir fait le bon choix, I think it might be. Before we get into the news, a uh, few announcements, a bit of early admin, you might call it. The first one is a change to Patreon. So from now on, if you sign up for Patreon, you're going to have to pay $10 a month for the ad-free feed and the early episodes. If you're already signed up for $5 a month, don't worry. As long as you stay signed up, you'll keep getting the ad-free episodes, no action required. You are gently encouraged to upgrade to the $10 a month, but you are grandfathered in. There are actually a few $5 slots available, so grab them while you can, if you want to. We'll be shutting down that tier pretty soon. But as I said, if you signed up already, just stay signed up and it'll be fine. And of course, you don't just get this show, you also get Linux After Dark and Linux Downtime. And if you're not in a position where $10 a month is doable, don't worry, just keep listening to the free feed. It'll be free forever. You just won't get the perks of sometimes having early episodes and no adverts. Right, let's do some news then. The first one is Canonical Ubuntu 22.04 LTS is released. I don't ever recall them in a blog post saying it's Canonical Ubuntu before, but maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, this is the big LTS supported for five years. Do any of you care? I don't suppose you do. Well, server I care about. I do kind of care. On the desktop, I will upgrade. I'm on the previous LTS at the moment, and there are some things, kernel changes in... um, specifically my audio stack that I'm interested in trying out, which I think will help out. So yeah, I'm I'm interested to try it. But you're using Zubuntu like me. Yes. But that's you know, it's mainly the kernel that's uh, that's most interesting. I'm on the um hardware enablement kernel, so it is perhaps a bit newer anyway, but I still want to give it a go, the new one. And I've been toying with the idea of moving to Mate just to see what it's like, but I don't know if I can be bothered. Thing is you had Martin on Let's Stand Time and I listened to that there this morning when I was walking the dog and as he says you know about 95% of the OS that he releases with Mate is all the canonical work and all the bug triaging and mm. kernel upgrades and things like that that goes into it and it's just the icing on the top and you know what I'm sure KD Neon a lot of that is the same thing as well uh, even though it's not a flavor but it gets a lot of the advantages of being part of that whole system so I mean I think it's important for all the downstreams as well. Yeah, and I've been trying out the GNOME version, and apart from the snap-shaped elephant in the room, it's a really good release. It's not something I'm going to use, but it's something I could use. And I, I, I couldn't have said that about GNOME before. And it was your team, Will, that first started using GNOME Shell. And after you left, they've really carried on and done a good job of it, I think. You compare it to vanilla GNOME, which I still really don't like, and all the little quality of life improvements really make a difference, I think. And this 2204 release is brilliant. I mean, some of the upstream GNOME stuff is good, like the screenshot tool, which can actually do screen recording as well as easily cropping a bit of the screen. That's brilliant. But now you can move the dock to the bottom where it belongs and you've got proper desktop icon support and stuff. I like the way that the dock can be a panel rounded at the edges rather than taking up the whole edge as well. Like you, I think... The GNOME version of Ubuntu is my most exposure to GNOME these days. And it's surprising how nice it feels, how slick it feels. It it really does feel like a modern 
desktop UI. I mean, it, yeah, and the Ubuntu spin of that is really nice. I like it. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean about feeling modern. It feels like it is really keeping up with the times. And then I go back to XFCE and it's a bit like, oh yeah, this sort of hasn't really changed for 20 years, which I like also, but I don't think that people coming from Windows and Mac necessarily want that. I think they kind of would want these flashy animations and the polish that you get with GNOME. So I can see why they're doing it and who they want to appeal to. And it does feel like a really good quality, fairly conservative in some of its choices, but also a good modern desktop for the enterprise, which is sort of what they're going after. Boring and stable. Yeah, but you want something you can turn on five minutes ahead of a meeting and for everything to work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's why I'm not using Fedora or the like or Kinonite or whatever it's called. It's it. There's too many moving parts. Uh, I want something to be boring. I, I honestly don't care what kernel I get as long as it works, unless I'm trying to do something funky. But it's been so long since ended like that. I just want it to go, as you say, just before that meeting. The thing boots and bloody works. And when you plug it into a projector for it to detect and switch automatically and those sorts of quality of life whoa, improvements. Whoa, okay, <laughs> whoa. Nobody said anything about magic. <laughs> Next you'd be plugging into a printer and having it work straight away. <laughs> That'd be away. ridiculous, that's impossible. <laughs> or closing the laptop lid and expecting it to carry on when you lift it up. Mm. Yeah, it'll carry on burning away in your bag, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it does carry on because it never stops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and accessibility stuff as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it is a, a solid release from what I've seen of it so far. And Zubuntu, I've been running for ages, the uh, daily builds since just after 2110 came out. And that's been absolutely rock solid for me on a couple of laptops. I've just had no problems at all. So, Will, I would imagine if you upgrade that soon, you'll have no issues. Mm. I should give it a go. We also found out that the next name is Kinetic Kudu which I was surprised at because that's another sort of goat uh, antelope type thing. That seems a bit boring to me because we had what uh, intrepid ibex all those years ago. Mm. I was hoping for something different, but uh, I suppose they'll have to work pretty hard to make that a pair of hairy bollocks on the uh, desktop. <laughs> <laughs> it's goats all the way down. Oh, God, until a goat's you at the bottom. No, don't put that on. <laughs> it would be funny if they did a subtle goat's <laughs> thing. It's kind of abstract. It's like one of those like hidden image things. You just, you're just staring at it for ages, and you're like, oh! <laughs> oh, dear. Don't look it up if you don't know what we're talking about, is my advice. All right, well, moving swiftly on, Shuttleworth recently said that they are on track to IPO in 2023. That's next year. That seems awfully soon. Well, it's been bumbling along for quite a while now, and it's always inevitable that this was going to be the end goal. So I don't think this is a surprise. I think that if you'd have asked Mark maybe last year or the year before, I'm sure he would have said next year is the year. So I'm not super surprised, but um, it's nice to know that the business is on a good enough footing that Mark thinks the time is right to go to IPO. And I think that's good for the future of Ubuntu. What will come first, the year of Linux on the desktop or the canonical IPR? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he also explained why Ubuntu isn't going to support Flatpak, out of the box at least. And it was mostly like uh, something vaguely security. Are we buying that? I don't think it matters if we're buying that or not. The 
story is that Canonical have invested their time and energy into Snaps. And so that's the technology they want front and center. They're not preventing you from installing Flatpaks on Ubuntu. So, yeah, I think that, that there are certain security improvements that Snaps offer. I think generally, my personal opinion is it is a good solution. And I think it's perfectly fair for Ubuntu to promote their technology, their products over other people's. And I know I've said this before, and I am on the Snap team, but you can look at the um, GitHub repo and you can see that the emphasis on Snap D development has been, as Mark said, I think, in that interview on the I- in the IoT space where security is really vitally important. And you can you can judge that for yourself. You don't have to like get into any kind of hyperbole. You can see that that's Maybe too much of the development effort has gone to, especially when people are disappointed with Snap on the desktop. Well, I've tweeted about the Firefox Snap. I said that was the elephant in the room. It's unacceptably slow, the startup time. Graham, you need to have a word with your colleagues. I'm sure they're not aware of this at all. I'm sure no one else has (laughs) mentioned it. But, you know, on the Raspberry Pi, I tried this out, and it's supposedly uh, the, the fastest Ubuntu release ever, desktop release, on the Raspberry Pi. And this was on a Raspberry Pi 4, and off an SD card, granted, which isn't ideal, it took a minute to launch Firefox for the first time. That's just not acceptable. Okay, it's a Raspberry Pi and SD card, whatever, but on a relatively old laptop, I've talked about this in various places as well. With an SSD, albeit you know a relatively slow SATA one, and a third-gen i3 that is only dual-core, only four gigs of RAM, so it's a very modest machine, but it took 45 seconds. That's just not acceptable. You're just going to turn people off with that. They need to get this fixed very, very quickly before the point release and millions of people get prompted to upgrade to this release. Or people are just going to move over to Chrome, which they probably already are, I suppose. I mean, personally, I agree with you. I think, you know, this is something that should be addressed, but it isn't that people are ignoring it. You know, I really do hope that Canonical puts a a greater emphasis on desktop snap support. And I'm no spokesperson for the project at all, but I do think think it will happen. I mean, it's taken too long up until this point, but I do think it will happen. Yeah, you need to stand up in the next meeting and say, look here, we've got to sort this. Yeah, people have. I mean, you can tell who has. <laughs> <laughs> well, might they not work there anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think they have to. They, they just, they've got, what, a few months until the point release comes out. They have to fucking fix it sharpish. And if they're not doing that now, then I don't know what they're doing, quite frankly. Yeah, and maybe this is again my personal opinion. Sorry for the caveats, but you know, maybe by putting the Firefox Snap in front and center of everybody is is forcing themselves and forcing Canonical to address these issues and to put the resources because that's what it needs. It needs the resources put into it to solve these problems. Well, like you say, I'm sure they'll get it sorted because they've got no choice. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com/late-night-linux, support the show, and get a hundred dollars free credit. From their award-winning support offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. Linode offers great price-to-performance value for all compute instances, as well as block storage, Kubernetes, and more. Linode makes cloud computing fast, simple, and affordable, allowing you to focus on your projects, not your infrastructure. 
So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account with your Google or GitHub account or your email address, and you'll get $100 in credit and support the show. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. All right, this week in We're All Very Old, the ZX Spectrum turned 40 recently. Can you believe it? No, I can't believe it. I mean, the podcast will be too long if we talk about all of our ZX Spectrum experiences, I'm sure, but it was so revolutionary. For those of us who couldn't afford like the Commodore 64s or later on the Amigas, the uh, Spectrum was just such an accessible computer that so primitive. That, I mean, I still have nightmares, I think, about the spongy rubber keyboard. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I've, my favourite games, things like uh, Turbo Esprit, I love that. I still want a Lotus Esprit. And yeah, so many games. I've been reading up on them this week and I could just talk endlessly about it, but it was such a great computer. We're bringing it up to the present day. There's an article from The Verge called The Steam Deck is Not a Flop, where they talk about how Valve are working their way through the first hour or so of pre-orders still at this stage, and that this is a massively successful console. And I think we kind of knew that, but uh, they did a bit of legwork to, uh, to prove it. And it got me thinking about how this might end up being the biggest selling device with Linux pre-installed ever. KD, you mean? Uh, yeah, KDE, yeah. No, Arch, <laughs> I think you've Android. <laughs> well, yeah, if you don't count Android, you don't count Chrome OS as being proper Linux. Or all server stuff. God, look at all the things with Linux on. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, but okay, some sort of desktop Linux then? I don't know. Really. Yeah, no, I know you're right. This is selling more like Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, obviously not of any of those things. <laughs> yeah, if you don't count all the actual things, then it's the best selling. But yeah, you can't count the Raspberry Pi because that doesn't come with one. You have to install your own OS on that. So either way, it's a massive success for Linux. And there's money going into Linux as a result of that. And specifically KDE as well which you should be pleased about, Phelan. Oh, well, I am pleased about it, and I'm, I'm pleased about it going into the games too. I obviously favour more FOSS software, but when it comes to games, I think a game as a finished piece of art, as a black box almost, because I don't really want the, you know, bits and pieces of a game so I can, I don't know what you'd even do with that. And it's good to see a healthy ecosystem that could potentially be there to inspire people to use this more and then use it more for development work for games, maybe, uh, or, you know, carry it on to other places. I think it's a healthy thing to have this. I mean, it's not the perfect scenario. It's not, you know, a Stallman-esque sort of level of clarity, but I still think it's good. Hang on. So you're saying everything has to be open source unless it's fun, in which case you look the other way. Unless it's not flight sims, they have to be fully open because that's a fully immersive system. Right, okay. But if it's only just some silly game, then that's fine for it to be non-free proprietary software. Have I ever sat there wanting to look at the source code from Mario Kart? No, I really haven't. I just want to play it, have a few beers and have a laugh. Surely you're playing Super Tux Kart instead. Well, obviously. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, I think the only way to look at this is that the Steam Deck is a huge success. It ships with Linux. Windows is a second-class citizen still on it. This is a huge success for Linux. I completely agree with you. I think it's a huge success, the fact that there's not been a huge burning fire for the last few months as those things became available. No, they've pulled it off. They're running Manjaro in some weird read-only system. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, Plasma, it's, inc it's incredible uh, that... 
however many tens of thousands or perhaps hundreds of thousands they've got out there, we've not got tens of hundreds of thousands of millions of people complaining on the forum. This is absolute mm. shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so well done, Valve, so far. Please don't disappoint us. I think that was the biggest worry when it came out was everybody was very excited in the early days to get it pre-ordered. And then, you know, the cold light of morning came around and people were thinking, oh, please don't let it be shit. And it isn't. And it's, it's, it's a joyous thing. Well, Dalton did give it a fairly meh review on Linux After Dark, which is coming out later this week so stay tuned for that ah he's a whinger he was whinging about the laptop as well god's sake is he never happy that (laughs) lad (laughs) all right let's talk about brave the browser now i feel so conflicted about this they've got a blog post cutting out google and enhancing privacy so they've got this new feature called dAMP. so amp was once called accelerated mobile pages and it's google forcing publishers to use their standard strip down html often on Google servers masquerading as being on the server of the site that you actually wanted to visit. Well, Brave have said, fuck this bullshit. We are going to automatically redirect people to the proper website and try and just cut out AMP wherever possible. So that is obviously all good. Well done, Brave. But on the other hand, they're all in on crypto bullshit. So uh, I don't know. Is it possible that a company could be somewhere in the middle and not all good or all evil surely these days everything has to be one extreme or the other there can't be any nuance there yeah they can you can like a piece of music even if the person who made the music was a terrible fascist (laughs) marcy i don't know about fascist for marcy but certainly uh not good egg shall we say and i (laughs) i i skip the smiths and marcy when that comes up on random these days i'm afraid Uh, but what about wagner give it a bit of time (laughs) (laughs) but i actually use brave on my ipad because i just use local ad blocking everywhere i haven't sorted out pie hole just never got round to it and that's the best way to uh, block intrusive ads on the ipad and it's pretty good yeah, and uh, we may talk about this in the next episode, but we got some feedback on talking about Cute Browser uh, last time. Mm. And one of that feedback was that there is some kind of new ad blocking integrated into Cute Browser. And this is true. And it's thanks to Brave's ad blocking, um, which is probably used by its browser on the iPad as well. And it's really good once you enable it and it's open source. So there is good that's coming from it. Just why do they have to do the crypto bollocks, though? Honestly, I don't know. Well, more of this sort of thing, please, Brave, and less of the crypto bullshit. (laughs) Let's do a quick discovery then, because it is quite timely. So my discoveries for the next episode were going to be Matrix, Element, and the new official Mastodon apps for Android and iOS. So Matrix and Element first. Element is an app that I've been using on my phone, and it's pretty good. I've now connected to our unofficial Matrix room, where I've now got admin, so I suppose it's uh, semi-official now. And it also makes IRC really easy as well. So I've been, I think I've been in the IRC, have I? Yes, I see Joe Ress. Oh, right, excellent. So it's working then, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's quite aggressive with the notifications by default, but you can go in and turn all that off and just get app mentions or whatever. So pretty impressed so far, I would say. And uh, it was all quite easy to set up and everything. And uh, yeah, pretty good. And uh, the new official Mastodon app, I've only tried the Android one. And I've also got Tusky installed, which I was using. And 
The new official one feels more like the Twitter app, I would say. And I asked people on Fostodon, what do you think of this app? Have you tried it? And the overwhelming consensus seemed to be that it's good for new users, but it lacks some of the features for power users. So it's worth trying out anyway. It's GPL3, I think. So uh, definitely worth trying out. But the reason that I bumped this discovery to this week is that just before we started recording, it was confirmed that Elon Musk has bought Twitter. All hail space Jesus. <laughs> Twitter's ruined, isn't it, now? Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. I saw people saying that um, I'm deleting the Twitter app is the equivalent of uh, I'm moving to Canada when Trump got elected. <laughs> or in my case, I'm moving to Ireland when Brexit happened, which I nearly did. Still waiting at the quayside for you. <laughs> <laughs> so do we care that Musk has bought Twitter? Ultimately, no, I don't think so. Twitter is something that I use to look at amusing stories to find out what's going on generally and to follow people that I'm interested in, whose opinions I'm interested in hearing. But if it just turns into even more of a cesspit, then I'll just stop using it. It's it's not a problem for me to not use it anymore. The big thing for me with the fact that there's quite a few people like open source intelligence people or various news things like more like actual reporters themselves that I'd follow. And I'd like to still be able to follow what they're doing on Twitter, not as a news source in the, you know, conspiracy theory nonsense, but they're just actual raw feeds of data. And if they go, are they going to go to Mastodon? I don't know. Are they still going to be posting? You know, it'd be a shame to lose that. But you can still follow them and just not listen to all the other crap that's going on. Yeah, but I had to know, if the whole network takes a turn, will it still be as good? I don't know. Hopefully they'll move. I mean, like you both, I started using Twitter in 2009 or something. And it's just turned to absolute shit. I can't stand it. I can't stand the Twitter UI. I can't stand having to be logged in to follow a thread. I can't stand the things that I'm presented with when I'm not following the people. I just can't stand it full stop. I can't really see how it could get much worse. <laughs> and, you know, if, if this is something that sends some people to other more open or more federated platforms, that's great. If it means the resurgence of RSS being all old man about it, great. So, you know, maybe it'll be a good thing. Well, I've got a bonus discovery that I've literally just Googled. And yes, uh, rss.app slash rss-feed slash create Twitter RSS feed. So yeah, there are ways to get an RSS feed out of Twitter. So you could follow all these people just in a totally open source RSS reader if you wanted to. Yeah, but then I got behind on my news stories and then I couldn't keep up with that. So at least Twitter shovels that away. <laughs> If I miss it, I miss it. Why don't you just create a category for it and just, I don't know, only look at that? Yeah, I think it does have tools to allow you to filter out most of the stuff you're not interested in. What I don't like about that is the admin that comes with having to actively fight against it, trying to shove its own shit down your throat, which is a pain. So just stop using it then is my get out plan. I am going to use my Fossazon instance a bit more, or not instance, but account. I, I didn't open it for ages, just purely by not thinking about it. And uh, yeah, I found loads of notifications about stuff going on. And there's a good bunch of folk in there. So yeah, if anybody on this show likes to be talking Foss, then you should go there to Fossazon.org. Yeah, well, I have started checking that a little bit more regularly now, because there's clearly going to be people going over there. 
And I think the timing is excellent that uh, there's this new official app that, like I said, is pretty simple, quite like the official Twitter app in a lot of ways. So I think it should be quite welcoming for new people. So uh, yeah, if you haven't checked it out and you're concerned about what's going to happen with Twitter, then uh, do. But ultimately, I don't think many people are going to leave Twitter. And it's not even that big in the first place. It's got a few hundred million users or whatever, which seems like a lot. But then you look at Instagram and Facebook that's got billions and fucking TikTok and Snapchat and all that. It's really just dominated by media types. And so they keep pushing it. Like, you know, like I say on some shows, follow me at Joe Rissington or whatever. But like, ultimately, Twitter's not that important, even though it seems to influence fucking global events when it really shouldn't do. I totally agree. Well, just so many newspaper or journalistic articles are so-and-so on Twitter said this, so and just randoms that people looking for an opinion find someone who's tweeted the opinion they want to publish, and that becomes the story. Have you been looking at the sidebar of shame on the Daily Mail website again? <laughs> <laughs> And that's what I think the problem is, that it's been on this downward trajectory for a long time. I haven't seen any improvements that have made it better. Any, anything that's made it better, they're not improvements. Um, so it, it's going to end in a big well of shit, whatever happens to it, whether Elon buys it or not, as far as I'm concerned. Well, we'll always have Mastodon, hopefully. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops and servers and most parts are configurable so you can pick the CPU, RAM and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy and Spain and if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop down at checkout and you can select late night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. Let's do a quick KDE corner before we get out of here then. KDE Gear 2204.0 is out. It is out, but I haven't got it yet, unfortunately. So KDE Neon's a bit late. Maybe Easter and, I don't know, chocolate overdose has caused them not to get out. I should, I should, but then again, I'm just far too lazy. Uh, there's a c- couple of cool things out of this one, though. Uh, console has got this new snippets thing, which is where you can create your own quick command. More new features in console. Excellent. They definitely need that. They do need that, because other terminal emulators are just not as good yeah, yeah they've also got an ssh manager which is quite nifty i mean if you're a hardcore user you're probably not going to use any of these things because you maybe have scripts or whatever that you've saved yourself but i think the snippets are quite cool i guess it's a friendlier interface to do an alias command or something so yeah that's quite good um along with that though is Kaden live uh is being set to work on the m1 now so that's quite interesting because that'll be you know, that's obviously a, a quite a media-centric device. It'll be interesting to see how that performs on there. And they're working on 10-bit color, which is a thing, apparently. Uh, and uh, it's not it's started. It's not finished yet. So. Oh, I might have to check that out on my uh, M1 Air. Actually give it something to do for a change. Maybe you can load the new calendar app as well while you're at it. If it's not spot with a K, then I'm not having it. Sorry. Oh, well, there you go. What's this nice theming improvements then? Yeah, this is an interesting thing that's come up in the next version. Um, the theme changes are now able to sort of affect more colors. 
there's a way where you, when you get a global theme, you'll be able to pick which bits of it you want to actually activate. So it'll list a checklist of, you know, it'll change icon colors or, you know, various things like that. You'll be able to pick bits that you may not want to change. But there's also another option where you can pick accent colors based auto-generated from your wallpaper. And I thought that was kind of cool because if you've got some nice wallpapers on a desktop, be pretty good. I mean, obviously mm. for you, you just see black then at that point, Joe. So uh, <laughs> it'd be completely pointless to you. I love the way that the jokes that go back and forth between X- FCE and Plasma are the inverse of each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dear. What's the more Apple nonsense? Is it not bad enough supporting the M1 Max? They're also uh, doing KD Connect for iOS, and that's getting improvements. Yeah, so uh, user fix MBR was on the Summer of Code, or Summer of KDE, rather, sorry. Uh, and they were working on getting better alerting working. Now, I don't know whether this is something to do with Swift or the way iOS does things, but apparently you can kind of only have one alert at once. And they were making a an alert queue for that. So I thought it was quite good that they're working on that. It's for people who are stuck there, stranded on that inferior iOS device, that they can at least get access to KD Connect, which is just the best piece of mobile application ever. Man, I'm having flashbacks to uh, Windows XP and uh, having to boot into some sort of recovery mode and run fix MBR. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, and another quick one I had was uh, Felipe Kinoshita has a very quick tasks app, very simple, almost gnome-like in its simplicity. It's not packaged yet, but it's coming that soon. It's that simple. It is that simple. It literally does. It's tasks that you can tick on or done and then delete them when you're finished. So I thought it was quite nice. It was a very, very clean app. So yeah, I can put all my post notes into that and then also forget about the app. So uh, yeah, problem solved. Hang on, why does this need its own standalone app? Surely they could just add this feature to console. Oh, I'm sure it'll have a massive backend that can rope into Akinadi and everything. It'll be fantastic, don't you worry. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, links to all that in the show notes as usual. We better get out of here then. We'll be back next week when we'll have some more discoveries and some of your feedback. But until then, I've been John. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.